the one the thing that I really work on is, you know, what are the messages you're telling yourself? And what are you choosing to believe that you're being told from outside? And how long are you willing to believe that? Yeah. You know, and, and how is that message helping you? You know, and those are the questions. It's hard, though. It's really hard to break that old pattern. And we talk a lot about, you know, your brain gets structured in one way. It believes one thing. You have to restructure your brain. It's building a new muscle. Right. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Undo Anxiety, the podcast. Um, if, if you don't have a podcast, I recommend getting one because there are some fringe benefits that you don't anticipate um, when you start one. And one of them is getting back in touch with people that you knew some time ago, um, friends and colleagues that you um, really honor and respect. And to that end, I am sitting across from somebody um, who I am so thrilled to have back in my life, um, Dr. Lisa Kaplan. Welcome. Thank you. I am glad to have you back in my life. Glad to be here. This <laughs> I'm, is fun. I'm glad you're here. Lisa does some really, really important work in this world that we are going to get to. Um, but I'm hoping that you are willing to share a little bit about your story about what brought you to the important work that you do. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to share it. Okay, is so it, where do we start? Well, we could probably start in 1962, but that might be a little far back <laughs> the year I was born. Um, I, it really, I've always had a, a bit of a feminist inclination, uh, but I lost myself somewhere along the way, and I, I went... The short story or long story, however you want to look at it, I went to school, I got a undergrad in finance, and then a few years later I went back to school and got a master's and a doctorate in psychology. Hold on. Hold Wait on. a minute. Your undergrad is in finance? Yeah, that is funny. You, if you know me well, you have to laugh about that. I <laughs> must have known that at some point. Lisa and I were in training together, <laughs> what, right. 15, 17 years ago, something yes, like that, right? 17 years ago. Um, and my undergrad was in accounting. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are, two psychologists sitting here with business degrees that are useless. Useless. <laughs> useless. If you looked at my checkbook, you'd especially know. Like, never balanced. How is it that we're not good at this stuff, given that we have degrees in it? Well, it's funny, but my dad said, go major in business. You can always get a job without really the, th you know, and he meant well by it. But without really the thought that I was good at it or not, that didn't seem to matter. So yeah. well, and and the only difference in my story is it was my mom. <laughs> right, but there you go. <laughs> same thing. Same. But here we are, right, here with our are. business degrees on the wall that <laughs> right. are just collecting exactly. dust. Right. right. Okay. I'd like to tell people that though. That it's a great that's a great little <laughs> bit. I yeah. had no idea. So yes. undergrad mm -hmm. in business, but graduate degree. Graduate degree in psychology. In yeah. fact, the undergrad in finance helped me get. <coughs> excuse me. Helped me get. The, into the doctoral program because they said we're sick of everybody applying who's just only knows psychology so we're happy to have a finance person <laughs> <laughs> so I do think it helped me somewhere it was meant you brought to be. something different to the table exactly so I got the master's and the doctorate I mean yeah the master's and the doctorate in psychology and at the same time I had as you know had all three of my kids right which was a little wacky. And this did really happen. You're, you're not kidding. I'm How, not kidding. The, in, in rapid succession, <laughs> yes. you had three kids while you were in training, yes. right? I mean, yes. man, talk about right. stress on top of stress. Stress and, on top of stress, yeah. yeah. And yet you you were, um, you always seemed kind of like unflappable, <laughs> like joyful about the whole deal. Yeah. Maybe I'm misreading <laughs> that a little bit. A little bit. I mean, mostly <laughs> I was. I was thrilled to have my kids. I was thrilled. I loved being in school. I loved psychology. So I was happy about all those things. 
what happened though was when I finished my doctorate and I finished my postdoc, a number of people in my life, well-meaning people, said, "Oh, why don't you just take a break?" You know, why don't you be with your kids? And not that I wasn't with my kids, but be with your kids a little more. And there was really this push for me to pull back. Uh-huh. And I listened, but I did not listen to one person that was myself. And so I did. I really stopped. I stopped doing therapy. I, I did a little bit of corporate training in there. And was uh, when I say miserable, I'm really underselling how unhappy I was. Really, really struggling. Uh, this went on for quite a few years. I was happy to be with my kids. Right. But one day my oldest said to me, rarely can I tell this without crying, so just in case I'm giving the heads up, my oldest said to me, I never see you laugh. And I am a laughy, happy person most of the time. And you it so just are. Yeah. killed me. And uh-huh. he was right. I was miserable. Miserable. And I just realized I listened to everybody else, what everybody else thought I should do, and didn't trust my gut, um, which I see a lot of women doing, which led to the the bigger end of the story. So I, w- I decided to go get a coaching certificate kind of to re-up my uh, clinical skills thinking I'd go back to therapy. Right. But I loved coaching so much that never went back to therapy. Is that right? Only do coaching. Got it. Only do coaching. And still training. I do a lot of training um, and a lot of talks around women's issues. And that's when I started my own business focused on women. Got it. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I see where the past informs the present. Yes. Take take me back a couple of steps here. Uh-huh. Um, I lost my way. I started listening to other people. Um, <laughs> what was your voice telling you? So you have this internal voice telling you, pushing you in a certain direction. Yes. And you have all these other people, and I know what that's like. You know, you have all these people telling you, you know, be with your kids. Yes. Um, I would imagine that's a mantra that you do not utter to many women at never. this point. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> never, never, never. They will never hear that from me. So tell me, tell me what your voice at that point in time, you know, what you, you finished, you finished your training, you're ready, you could go into practice if you want to, yeah. or you could be the stay-at-home mom, kind of, you know, we could go back to 1952, <laughs> and black right. and white, and there you are. Exactly. Um, what, was your, what was the voice in your head saying, the suggesting? Voice, the voice in my head that is the loudest, that is the one that I have to watch out for, that I help other women watch out for, is the voice that says, be a good girl. And it's a very loud voice that says, be a good girl, do what other people want you to do. And it's so powerful sometimes that I listen to it. Yeah. Even though it's really not giving me good advice. Right. Because good girls really don't go very far and, and don't end up doing what's best for them. And probably what was always best for my family was for me to be happy. Right. Always. And if I had known that and, and held on to that idea, but I didn't. I held on to the be a good girl, do what others want you to do. Do what others want you to do. Mm-hmm. And others wanted you to... Take a break. Take a break. Um, you know, you, I didn't have to work financially, which is a privilege, and I'm so blessed and lucky for that. Right. Um, so, you know, why then? Why would you? You should do this this other path of, you know, being home full-time, which even at the time my kids were starting to go to school, so it didn't even make a, a great deal of sense even then. Right. But that was the push, and, you know, take care of things at home, and I did. Was it that. dissonant for you at all, or was it was it um, were were you self aware? Did you recognize mm, this feels a little iffy? This feels counter <laughs> to my spirit somehow. I mean, was it palpable to you? It was, but the crazy thing is, is how much louder that other voice was. That other voice pushed that. I never felt connected to it. It you know it didn't ever feel right. I was happiest when I was off doing something. Yeah. 
Um, and then I would come home and be with my kids, and I was a much better mother. But I just couldn't, I couldn't seem to hear it. I got so lost there. Yeah. You know, and it's a, I don't even want to have a regret because what's done is done, and I learned from it and obviously brought other things. But I really try to help listen, women listen to what that internal voice is telling them, the one that's connected to them, not the one they think they should be listening to. It's so, huge. So let's take a minute and talk to those women and those men because I, I will share with you. So this is an odd moment because you and I, are both psychologists. We are trained to be <laughs> thoughtful and empathic yes. and self-aware, right? Yes. And when you say be a good girl, I'm thinking, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, boy, I think I was following a mantra that said be a good boy a lot of the time, yes. right? And, I, and it was parental voices and a projection in a lot of ways of what I thought other people wanted me to be yes. uh, or needed me to be. And yes. um, and then um, I found myself down a path that made me incredibly anxious and definitely not comfortable right. um how do we avoid it? so here we're we're, we're supposed right. to be good at this how do we encourage people um anybody listening who's kind of in the thick of that how do we encourage them like you know listen to that voice in your head don't listen to what everybody else is telling you right. it's hard to do that it's so hard to do that it's really really hard and i tell young people and their parents like step away, give them the chance to figure this out for themselves. But that, what you described as that like anxious feeling, that really discomfort, listen to that. That is what you have to listen to. Right. It, and it's hard because we push past it. We say, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And all of a sudden we're really not okay. And we think, how did I get here? So that stopping and saying, okay, what's really going on for me? Why, is, why am I so anxious and uncomfortable with this? Right. It's not true to me. Yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> Was there an aha moment for you? Was there a moment where you're like, oh, this is all wrong. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this wrong. I, do not, I don't like this a bit. I'm going to change it. What, what, what was the tipping point? The tipping point was having my kids notice. That was, for me, the tipping point. Because I kind of thought I was so faking it. I was like, I got this. I am the Stepford wife. I got this. You know, no one <laughs> I am knows. the Stepford wife? Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Literally, no one knows how unhappy I am. Well, apparently that wasn't true. <laughs> what a shocker. It was Stephen, your son Stephen. How old was Stephen when he recognized this? So this was about, I don't know, six, seven years ago. So he was 16, 17, is that right? About that age? That's amazing if you right. think about it, right? So Very here, insightful. you know, for those of you who have 16-year-old boys and think they're not getting it or they're, you know, dense or whatever. They get it. They get it, right? They get it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I've since had a number of mothers say to me that their kids say, I love when you're happy, Mom. That's what they want. They don't want us to give up everything for them. Who wants that? Right. So we, you know, they notice they want us to be happy and fulfilled and all that good stuff. Let's pause here for a moment <laughs> yeah. because, um, so I still do therapy and some coaching mm -hmm. and I hear things like this. I hear, um, we're gonna stay together until uh -huh. our youngest graduates from high school because you know that's, that's a better model for the kids or you know, mm -hmm. I'm gonna stay in this job because it pays more and the, I'm gonna be able to buy the kids cars and you know, and, uh -huh. and pay for their education <laughs> and you know, um, what do, you, what do you think of this kind of thinking? This well-intentioned, well loving parents kind of thinking, what do you think of it? I think your kids have your number. And, and <laughs> I, how many adults do you know that say to you, I wish my parents had gotten divorced long ago. They made us crazy. I mean, oh, yeah. how many people say that? Right. 
you know, so this, we're staying together for the kids. You're not. You're actually not staying together for the kids, and they know you're unhappy. And you, you might be better of negotiating a nice separation or figuring it out, staying together, but they're on to you. Right. <laughs> and they're on to you. And they know what, if your marriage isn't working. Totally. And you're modeling a mess for them, right? You're, you're saying, yes. oh, yeah, be unhappy for the rest of your life. This is what we do. <laughs> right. This is right. Life is misery. Enjoy it. Get out of it. <laughs> Who wants to join us? No, it's really true. You are absolutely modeling for them that you should give up everything you believe in and care about and be, and be miserable. What yeah. is that message? Right. That is crazy. It is. Uh, when, you, when you say it that way, I mean, it absolutely is. And you're making me think of a couple couples I'm working with right now where I'm going to have to l- drop the hammer <laughs> right. a little harder. We're going to have to have a little bit of a bit deeper conversation here. Absolutely. I, I, I like the idea, and I think you're right about it, that um, it's not that your kids will realize 10 years from now that things aren't working. Kids are on to you now. They're they they you pick now. it up. They 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 know that there's something wrong in the house right now. Right now. If you're staying for the wrong reasons exactly. or if you're unhappy for some reason. Exactly. You're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling anybody. <laughs> Maybe yourself, but even then, you know, the truth is there. You're not fooling them. They're on to it and they're sensitive to it. And and I would picture knowing you a little bit I would picture that if anybody could fool a few people <laughs> with a smile and a laugh, you'd be able to get away with I it. I think I'm good. I <laughs> yeah, know. right? I, I, think I, I think I'm pretty good. And I thought I really was, like, working it. Right. I really did. It was a shock to me. And then, you know, of course, people later would say, yeah, we could tell you weren't happy. I'm like, and no one thought to say anything, you know? Were no you ever frustrated me. with a friend or a family member? Like, why didn't you say something? Hello? Yeah, um, yeah, right. Right. I, I think don't want to hurt your feelings yeah. you know or maybe maybe i was denying it so heavily that maybe they tried and i was like yeah yeah, yeah i'm fine I'm right good. leave right. me alone was there any part of you that wanted to wanted that stepford role uh, you know what i mean like um in even the back of your mind you know because maybe it happened a generation or two ago did, mm-hmm. it, did it feel like the right thing to do to you was it you know like kind of consonant with what you believed in some way uh, oh so the, see this is where the psychology you're a good psychologist we're going deep man. Right? we're going exactly. deep here which is why i said <laughs> it started really in 1962 which is by the way the year i was born but yeah there was there was you know the message from my mom that this is what good girls do mm-hmm. they stay home they take care of their husbands they take care of their kids by the way my mother was relatively miserable for a lot of it mm. i think not yeah. that she loved my father and she loved us but I think she was unhappy with a lot of it. Right. And I remember reading Betty Friedan's uh, The Feminine Mystique when I was a young woman and thinking, ah, I get my mom now. I really get it. But still that pull to do that, what seemed that message is the right thing. Yeah, it absolutely was there. So I kept thinking, I know I'm doing the right thing. I know I am. Right. This is right. Uh-huh. And then so when you, when you change your mind, is there dissonance around that? You know, when you decide, like, okay, I'm going to work now. I'm going to, I'm going to go and fulfill something larger for myself. Yes. Is there any part of you that's like, ooh, this is not what good girls do. This is like uh, <laughs> daily, hourly. Let's see. Oh. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> hour by hour. Hour, hour huh? by hour. It is a constant. I really have to think about it. Do you think about it now? Hell yeah. Yeah. Can I swear on here? By the way. Um, uh, go further. I think you can live with hell yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes, all the time. All the time. And, uh, you know, I I see, I watch my husband, and, and I feel guilt about things, and he doesn't. And I'm happy he doesn't. I don't want him to feel guilt, by the way. <laughs> but I, and I watch other women, and we're, we're feeling that guilt. 
that work-life balance that no one's asking men about. Right. No one's asking men about. And, oh, you're going to be gone on the weekend sometimes? Oh, who will be with your kids? Well, that would be their father, right? Right, you right, know? right, right. Who loves them every bit as much as I do. Um, so it is. It's a constant battle. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think you might have just answered part of the question. <laughs> but one thing that's been looming in my head is your, your work, uh, as far as I know, is, is geared specifically very specifically toward women, not men, right? Women specifically. Yes. Um, yes. How did you make that call? It wasn't hard at all. It's it, it's what I've been pulled to do. I just knew it in my heart. It. I've been doing it without pay for many years, by the way. <laughs> so I thought, hey, maybe I should get paid to do what I've been doing for, for many years. In my sorority, they call me Dear Abby, you know? Is that right? Yes, in my college sorority. <laughs> so it's been forever. And I just knew I could... I wanted to focus on it. I wanted to really tap into those issues. And it's not, if a man calls, I will happily see him. And I have. But this was what meant so much to me. And I felt like I could bring it um, in a bigger way with, you know, I blog and I write and speak and all those things. So I, it, it was a way to pull all that together. Right. Even I, I do a lot of work around like executive presence for women and assertiveness for women because it shows up so much in the corporate world as well. Yeah. What are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong that that's necessary, right? I mean, oh. uh, broadly speaking, I know it's a huge question. It is a huge but, question. Um, but as I think about it, you know, I do some work with men and some work with women. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right. There are certain um, discussions I don't have to have with men. Before we started taping, Lisa and I were talking about um, the, our, our college-age kids mm -hmm. and the discussions we have with them about safety yes. before they go, right? Yes. With our with my boys, with my, my you know, big strapping 20-year-old son and his big strapping 20-year-old male cousin, I had a three-minute talk, you know, <laughs> you be respectful to girls, go party and have a good time, boys. And with my, with my niece, I'm sitting in a car with her in hour three where she's like, you know, okay, Uncle John, I got to pee, I get it. <laughs> I won't, you know, and, and so I find myself lecturing her in a different way. Yeah. Um, Culturally, something is amiss. Yeah, huge issue. It's it's a huge issue, and it's still, it's little things that if you watch carefully, you see them. How we talk about women, um, you know, even like magazine covers, things like that. How we're talking about Hillary Clinton. If we're talking about her on anything other than a political level, if we're talking about her appearance or how her voice is, that is sexism. Right. And it's it permeates our culture. Yeah. So. Right there, there, it's still alive and well. And, you know, people say sexism is over. No, it's not even close. I had a weird experience watching um, the Democratic convention with friends. And, um, and one woman who we, I was with said, um, when Hillary came out finally and spoke, she said, wow, she looks great. And I said, you know, if that were Bill and it were 20 years ago, <laughs> you wouldn't bother saying that, I don't think. Right. You know, like none of us would. No. And yet... We're all paying attention to how she looks, and I don't know if anybody's paying attention to how Trump looks. I don't know <laughs> if anybody's paying attention to how a any of the, uh, the the three men look. You know, no. um, it was just a, a striking thing. Like the first thing, she hadn't spoken yet. Wow, she looks great. You know, she looks young, and she, you know, um, and it's like, wow, that's, you know, that's what we're talking about. You yes. know, really? Yes. Well, when you if you listen to people, even you know, loving parents talk about their children. They'll talk about their boys as smart, clever, uh, you know, energetic, and they'll talk about their girls as beautiful. That's the first word they use to describe their daughters, beautiful. 
and they are beautiful. That's right, right, lovely. Right, 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 right. But if that's the first message, then that's the focus. So yeah. it, there's so much pressure on girls to be to be smart, but also to be beautiful and sexy and attractive and but not too sexy and not yeah. too attractive. I mean the mix the 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 messages are very mixed. Yep. Yep. It's and so I think it's plays all the way, you know, into adulthood for women. Some of it's really heartbreaking too to hear, right? Well, you mm-hmm. know, um I, I work with um some young women and teenage girls um, and uh, the, the, the two parts that stick out is I way too often hear, I don't think I'm that smart mm. from, from girls, yeah. um, who are, by right. the way, like, you right. know, ridiculously intelligent where I'm like, you know, <laughs> really? aghast that, that they, that they, that the thought even crosses their mind because right. there's this brilliance in them. Um, and, um, uh, a couple of girls who were beautiful, you know, uh, talking about how long it takes them. And this th- this I did not get uh, until I heard it a dozen times. How long it takes them to take a selfie mm-hmm. worthy of Instagram. Right. Right? Instagram is this kind of micro-celebrity yes. for girls by and large, right? Yes. Um, because boys don't have to look a certain way, right? You know, you can be, you know, you can be this big heavy guy and, hey, yeah, I'm right, right. <laughs> Everyone likes me. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, like one girl said, well, I'll, I'll spend an hour and I will hold, the, you know, like, an, and she bought a selfie stick, you know, so like, Make because she can't hold it high enough somehow. There's an angle downward that right. feels so better to make it yes. perfect, to yes. make it perfect. And then there, she will doctor it and doctor it and doctor it yes. until she'll admit like, it's not me. Right. I, I know it's right. not me. You know, That's I know I'm airbrushing like, like, but I, it's like creating a cover for Cosmo. It is. It absolutely is. I mean, and the boys aren't doing that. It's still, I, I think, I don't know. I, you know, and you could talk to them to, till you're blue in the face about why that doesn't make sense. And they say that doesn't make sense to you, but this is the world I live in. Right. I think my, my daughter really helped me with that because she's 19 and I said, oh, the focus on appearance. She goes, Mom, that's what we live in. Stop, you know, degrading it. And I thought, she's right. That is the world she lives in. Wow. And that is the focus of how they look. Right. Yeah. So she's kind of like, I, I do post stuff on Instagram. And, you know, and, and if you pick on me for it, that's going to make me feel badly about myself, exactly. oddly enough. Exactly. Wow. wow. Right. I once said, you're, you're beautiful inside out. She said, do not ever say that again because that's not the world I live in. And I really had to hear that, it w- and it was painful. That's but brutal. That is not the world they live in. Right. It's not. Right. What is the world they live in? It's all about how they look and looking. Um, it's the the selfie that you're talking about. It's um, showing up somewhere with the that she, they're not too sexy, but they're not not sexy. Mm-hmm. And you know the the appearance of them everywhere they go is the first thing that is t- that is mentioned for them. Right. And they right. really have to think about it and. Yeah, they are expected to be smart as well. So the push for all of that, I mean, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's not fun. No, no. <laughs> how is it, so so when you were Michelle's age, your mm-hmm. daughter's age, how is it different then? Like, I get that not everybody had a, a camera with right. them all the time. I know that's a big part of it. <laughs> right, that's a big part. But, but do you feel like um, essentially the messages were the same? I think they're actually a little worse now, which is shocking you know, considering the world we live in, but I think the social media world has made it the pressure more for them to look a certain way. I mean, I remember feeling it, but I also remember just having fun and being goofy, um, 
these girls spend hours getting ready, fixing their hair, doing makeup. I don't remember doing any of those things. Now, it could be me and the little culture I was in. Right. But I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Worse now. For sure worse now. Do For we sure. blame men? Like, it's got a, I'm, I'm a guy, and I'm asking. <laughs> I like to. But, um, it's always I mean, fun. seriously, though, do, 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 do you feel like, you know, um, that men are really driving that culture, and if men did something different or thought something different, women and girls wouldn't feel so compelled to um, make themselves look, look perfect and focus on that to such an extent? As much as it'd be fun to blame men, no, I don't think we can blame men. I think they're part of the bigger picture, but I think as a culture, media, um, there's so many pieces to it that, and and I think most of the girls would tell you they're not dressing this way for men. They're dressing it this way because other girls are criticizing them. Mm -hmm. Now, why are other girls criticizing? Because of the insecurity and that we all have to own that. We right. all do. So yeah, men and boys are involved in that for sure. But I don't think they're doing it just to impress men. Right. I don't. Right. And 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 I don't hear you saying, um, I suffered so much when I was younger um, that this is my mission. I, I it right. feels like it's about other people. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. I didn't suffer. I had like a all American childhood. It was really enjoyable. Yeah. Um. So I didn't. I saw my mom suffering more because she didn't have fulfillment, and I think that has played a role in what I've decided to do with my life. But the the appearance thing is so it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really crazy. Does it inform your work at all? It does. You know, women talk to me a lot about body image. That's a huge issue, yeah. um, and how they feel about themselves and how it holds them back from doing things because they don't think they look the part. So it does inform my work. And what I've really learned is you're not going to talk anybody out of that. Right. And you have to help them figure out where that came from and how true it is. And once they start to get that, make some shifts. But some of the body image issues for women started, honestly, when they were in the crib. You know, we're... What do you mean? Well, how, how can that be? Because their families talked about she's a chubby baby or, you know, really focused on what the girl eats in the house but not the boys. And so it's carried from they were little, little girls when they started hearing comments about their appearance. So interesting. Um, right. So we have to be so aware of the messages we give our kids. But isn't it disheartening that we have to be aware of it? In, in, in a weird way, I, I think part of what, you, in talking to you a moment ago, part of what your message is, is like, you know, we shouldn't, this shouldn't have to be part of the discussion. It should be right. organic somehow, right? Right, right. I, um, I, I have a good friend. He has four daughters. And he is a guy's guy, kind of, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, so, so he's got four daughters um, who are um, athletes and they're doers and they're smart and they're enterprising and they're fun and funny. I love them all. I'm crazy about these kids. Um, and his, one, one of the things I noticed that he does with them is um, at the end, uh, if somebody has to be excused, yeah. he'll say, come over here first. <laughs> Give me a muscle. And, 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 he'll, and, and he'll feel the arm and he'll say, I think a, one more spoonful of peas and you're good. You know what I mean? Like, I, and, and, and I thought, like, Love that it. is like kind of a beautifully empowering. Love it. And it's not, um, it, it isn't kind of window dressing. He's kind of means, like, you know, I want you to see food this way. You know, right. like, and so to they have strong. these. Oh, yeah. And they have these, like, awesome appetites and they're curious about food. And 
Um, and and part it. of me thinks like, oh God, the message shifting it, it might be so easy, right? You know, from should you really be eating that honey to, you exactly. know, like, um, hey, food, you got to fuel the machine. Let's go, exactly. you know? You know, it's really discouraging. I went, um, I went to Western Illinois. That's where I did my undergrad in finance. Um, <laughs> I got invited back to talk to some of the female athletes. Yeah. And they invited me because they had given them a survey of the things that bothered them the most. These are D1 yep. female athletes. Guess what bothered them the most? Is it body image? It is body image. Good God. Good God is right. <laughs> I mean, really. Right. Those girls, and these are incredible athletes. Right. They are just powerhouses. They're worried about body image. No kidding. What Isn't do you make of that? Like how, you know, <sighs> you know right, right. right. Yeah, it almost side. takes your breath away, right? I mean. It really does. Yeah. It really, really does. And they all said, you know, we had, I had great conversations with them, and they said the pressure is just on us to not just be great athletes, but to be beautiful great athletes, to look perfect, you know, to wear that one uniform and look sexy in it and be a good athlete, mm -hmm. that they all felt that pressure. Yeah. And most of them said it wasn't from their parents. It was from a bigger picture. You know, they all had really supportive parents like your buddy. A cultural picture, <coughs> kind of like this, yeah. Picture. The magazines, the Instagram, right. all of that. All of that. The focus, the constant focus on being beautiful. So on a micro level, like, you know, so you work one-to-one uh, <coughs> -one with some people. Right. On a micro level, how do, you, how do you attack that? You know, knowing that on a macro level, <laughs> this is the messages are heavy and they're yeah. there. You know, yeah. like they're, they're prevalent. They're in the waiting room right outside this room, you they know. Are. Um, so, so how do you work with a person and convince them um, you're a beautiful person, you don't need necessarily to be externally so perfect, right. and there is no such thing. There is no such right? thing. Right? <laughs> you're really never going to feel like you've arrived never. if that's the idea, right? Oh, right? For God's sakes, and then you get old. Right? <laughs> so, right. right. Never. The, the, one, the thing that I really work on is, you know, what are the messages you're telling yourself? And what are you choosing to believe that you're being told from outside? And how long are you willing to believe that? Yeah. You know, and, and how is that message helping you? You know, and those are the questions. It's hard, though. It's really hard to break that old pattern. And we, we talk a lot about, you know, your brain gets structured in one way. It believes one thing. You have to restructure your brain. It's building a new muscle. Right. And that is hard to do. It means constantly saying to yourself, no, that's not true. Yeah. That That's not true. I'm going to go this way. Right, right, and right. And focusing on something else. Yep takes work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. And is the goal just to eliminate the suffering around it, or is the goal to change the dialogue, you know, uh, broadly speaking for you and your work? Because, right, you blog, you write, you're in media, and you're working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. So what, do, do you have like kind of a, a clear goal in mind, or is it broad? The clear goal for me is just that women start to be, not start to be, that women are more comfortable with themselves in all aspects, their bodies, their minds, all those, that they just start to accept who they are and feel more freedom from that acceptance and more happiness, obviously. Right, right. Yeah. Now, being a guy <laughs> and, and being a, an optimist, I think, at, at the <laughs> core, I like to think that we've made movement in this regard. That, you know, like, you know, despite the fact that, you know, we've got Instagram and things like that, yeah. that there is this undercurrent that says, you know, like, hey, we can put a plus size model on the cover of Sports Illustrated awesome, and yeah. we're going for that. You know, like yeah. that's going to happen. Yes. Um, and uh, and that's beautiful. And, you know, like I feel like there's this 
kind of massive movement to change what beautiful means. And sometimes yeah. it has nothing to do with the physical. And uh, am I wrong about that? Am I just, am I a little naive here? Or do you feel like there's actually something happening? I think there's movement, but this is where I struggle. We're still talking about how women look. Yeah. So I don't care what size you are. You're on a cover of a magazine in a bikini. We're still talking about focused on your appearance. I'm laughing at myself because I'm I'm citing a sports magazine that has a <laughs> bikini issue or swimsuit issue. As if like, you know, like <laughs> there is I, and I'm just making like, well, that's normal, you know, because everybody knows sports right. are about women in bathing suits. Obviously. <laughs> well, and I think that's it. We just think it's normal. So now we're like, oh, we're going to make the normal even a little bit better, but we're going to put different size women on. But we're still talking about how women look. We are still focused on it. It's so crazy. That is true. Right? That is that is very very true. <laughs> Do you, are are you optimistic? Do you feel like, you know what? One day this is going to change. You know, yeah. like we are going to you know, all the glass ceilings are going to break and women are going to be seen as something other than window dressing <laughs> in our <laughs> right world. In any, yeah. I am totally optimistic and I'll tell you the younger women that I meet, wow, I'm just blown away. I'm thrilled. I can't wait for them to start taking over the world because they are incredible. They're very inclusive. You know, they they are racially inclusive, culturally inclusive. They you know, hetero and homosexually inclusive in so many ways. And I think they see, they see more opportunities and some of it is just talk, but some of it's going to happen Yeah. and, and watching them, you know, move through this. The other thing that I think has really changed is women in sports. When I was young, most girls weren't in sports, you know, we right. were cheerleaders or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with cheerleading because man, are they athletic, those girls. No kidding, right? Wow. But now we see girls in these intense sports, and so they are more competitive. They're stronger. Their body image is a little better. So I think I am optimistic. I'd like it to go a little faster. Of course. Of I'd course. like to mention in my lifetime, but, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still optimistic. Well, I, I, that, the sports thing, that's an interesting example because I, I feel like there's been in the past – kind of a patronizing element of women in sports. Like, mm -hmm. okay, we'll have a WNBA. Nobody's going. Right. Nobody's going to show up, you know, like... We're uh, not going to pay them. Yeah, we'll, we'll know who it. one or two of you are. <laughs> right. but, the, but now, you know, like the the, the Olympics we just had, I oh. feel like, um, you know, um, you know, the Simones were as impressive as Michael Phelps and probably yes. more the story in a way, yes. right? You know, um, yes. Yeah. And that is really tied to Title IX. That when the laws changed, that actually this is the group of girls that that it changed for, and right. we saw a big difference. Now there was still a lot of issues in the media with how they treated the women. I mean, there were, were example after example when the the wife of one of the Chicago Bears player won a silver medal. The Trib said, "Wife of Chicago Bears <laughs> wins a silver medal." <laughs> never her name, <laughs> right, never right, right. her sport. She was just the wife of. So we have work to do for sure. But though that Olympics with how powerful the women were. Right, right, right. They dominated. They were great. They dominated. There was uh, just to cite another example that I didn't read anything about, but really, um, my wife and Julie and I really um, paused and, and kind of cracked up at this. Um, there was a cool evening, and they played um, beach volleyball in, in at night during the yes. Olympics. So um, one evening, um, the uh, American team was wearing sweats 
And Bob Costas started down this path where he was effectively apologizing to the audience that they weren't going to see these women in bikinis. Oh. <laughs> especially cool, so their typical uniform, and you could just feel him, like, falling down the vortex. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> like, I didn't Bob, hear that. what are you really? doing, man? <laughs> these are professional athletes. <laughs> right. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't even. <laughs> so bad. It's so, so yeah. ridiculously bad. That, so, that's bad. Um <laughs> All right, so so give us give us an optimistic note to end on. What what do you uh, do, do you do you think in our lifetime, whether it's Hillary Clinton or somebody else, do we do we get a female president? Well, we better because I've been saying that I'm not dying until we do. So we better. Uh, I I hope so. I really hope so. I think that'll change a lot. I think sexism will spike yeah. at, at that time as we're seeing with Hillary Clinton. The sexism is absolutely out of control, but I think. After that, we will see more female leaders. I already, if she wins, um, she's you know half of her cabinet will probably be women, and right. that's once you start putting women in leadership roles, then it starts to change. Then it starts to even out, as we see in other countries. But it's just not happening here. It, it, it's an interesting thing. Um, there is a. Um that this is going to feel like a non sequitur, but I'm heading somewhere here. <laughs> I know you well enough uh, to be okay with that. <laughs> um, one of my favorite um, singer-songwriters is, is a guy named Steve Earle. And he's, um, you would think this guy is kind of this hillbilly from nowhere, Texas, which in fact he is. Um, but, but Steve is, uh, he lives in New York City. He lives in the village. And he moved there. Um, the way he says it, um, he said, uh, I, I like wor- living in a city where you can have two men walking down the street holding hands. It makes me feel safer. Oh. And, um, and one thing that I realized the other day was I like the idea of women in charge because that makes me feel safer. Oh, <laughs> you I love know? it. Um, I, because I'm picturing, like, you know, whatever bravado um, and ego we guys bring to office, whatever office it is, mm-hmm. um, you know, we might be a little more cavalier about, you know, like, you know, screw them. They messed with us. We're going to go get them. Right. Whereas women might have a, a tad more <laughs> right, thought involved. Right. <laughs> we got kids there. And right. I, I don't want to oversimplify that, you no, know. I uh, but, 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 you know, that it's true. There is an element of, like, you know, balance and safety that I, I think. Totally. Yeah. Well, and, and even just thinking about when I was a kid, none of my doctors were women. No lawyers. Right. No CEOs. None. So was my voice recognized or any other ones? No. Right. And in fact, we've seen even, you know, um, spending money on healthcare and research shifted when women started to become physicians because we weren't studying women's health issues. We were studying men's. Right, right, right. So we're not represented. So as soon as we start to get represented in, in many more aspects, I think you're right. We'll see a big change. So one last thought. You, you talk about your daughter Michelle's generation, and uh, and I, you and I know that generation. We're lucky enough, right, yeah. to be in our fifties and know that generation oh, well. Love them, yeah. And and I think a lot of people in our generation think, oh, that's a narcissistic. You know, those, those little millennials, they're, <laughs> they're 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 horrible. They're ruining the language with their texting. They're staring at their phones. They don't care about anybody but themselves, and. We see something completely different, completely right? Because uh, I see exactly what you described, right? This, they, they, 
they take care of each other. They, yes. They're they're thoughtful, caring people. They're all inclusive, right? They're they are um, inclusive. Right. Yes. They they they. It's almost like they don't see color. They don't see gender. They don't see um, sexual orientation. Sexual orientation. All of it is right. You know, absolutely a wash for them. Like okay, yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, right. 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 <laughs> and and um, so do you. What what do you think things look like? Third, when, 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 when Michelle is, you know, your age. <laughs> when she's the president. When she's president, <laughs> yes. Right, right. Yeah. On that day. I, I really do. I think um, so much more inclusive, so much more accepting and less judgmental. The other thing that this generation that they're amazing at is giving of their time and energy to, mm-hmm. to others. Right. They are very caring and devoted, and, and they see that a bigger picture of the world that way. I think the other thing is, I think they're going to be wiser about that work-life balance because they've seen how crazy we've been. Yeah. And I think they're, um, even just watching my 23-year-old and, and his girlfriend, there's such a balance and a give and take on her career is equally as important as his. And I think that shift's going to change in the home, too, with raising kids. Oh, I that's think, so cool. So yeah. really, like, so, so, yeah, there's balance in their home. In their home. That's so, so cool. Hand, dad's having more hands-on time, which I know is something you had always talked about. And how much will our society benefit from that having both parents really hands-on and really connected? Yeah, it yeah. It's huge. So it's part of the message for from you that, that um, you know, I've been hearing lately, like, feminism is, has become this dirty word because it <laughs> seems anti-men somehow. <laughs> right, right. And your point, but part of the point, like, I love that point, like, you know, well, no, if we're all feminists, then, you know, like, we men are going to have more balance in our lives, too. Totally. Yeah. It's a win for men. I know <laughs> I know some men don't believe that, but it really is a win. Yeah. And when people are more equal in society, the society runs better. It's just better for everybody. It doesn't mean that you as a couple won't choose to have one stay home and one work out of the house. That's fine. Right. And if it's the woman who stays home and she wants that and he wants that, great. That's lovely. That's not what it's about. It's really... Both people having a voice in the relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything core in in the message that you want people to hear that we're missing? Oh gosh, um, I think what's missing is is really empathy. I know it sounds so so jaded and so oh, of course the psychologist says empathy, <laughs> but it changes whatever, Lisa. What, Blah, 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 and empathy. (laughs) But it really does change everything. When you just stop for a minute and put yourself into someone else's shoes, even if you think you completely disagree with them, if you just hear them and the reasons why they got there, all of a sudden the world looks a little bit different. Mm. And it changes how we interact with each other. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. I love (laughs) that. That great, great final word. So if if somebody wants to find you, if somebody wants to work with you, what do they do? Call me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> call me now. Call me now. My website is uh, smartwomeninspiredlives.com. They can catch me there. Uh, Google me. You'll find me. The last name's K-A-P-L-I-N. So if you look up A-N, that's not me. Um, <laughs> and I'm easy to find. <laughs> Lisa's easy to find, and, and she's brilliant. Um, listen to her. Read her work. Seek her out. Um, Thank you. Thank you for being here. I it's so appreciate it. It's been a blast. It's so good. It's really so fun. good to see you. Yes. Okay, folks, you can find this podcast uh, on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, LiveLeadPlay.com, which is affiliated with IPEC Coaching, which I think Lisa and I are both graduates of. I didn't know you did that. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on uh, WGN Plus. So, um, so check out past episodes as well. 
Um, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, let me know. Uh, you can write me at John G. Duffy at drjohnduffy.com. Um, I have a free parenting program. It's just videos that you watch. They're good. It's easy. Um, on my website at uh, drjohnduffy.com. Um, as always, uh, I appreciate time to spend with uh, Dr. Kaplan and I today. Um, Seek her out and I will talk to you next time.